Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. Busy morning here on Kale and Company as we begin our number two, Rise and Shine. Let's go, Philadelphia. Off to work and school we go. 855-839-1210 is the phone number. Twitter and Instagram at 1210WPHT. Listen to us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us on YouTube. A very, very good edition of What's on the Cut Sheet coming up at 745 last night. Also, a little bit of drama towards the end of the town hall in Iowa last night for uh, Mustard, Mr. Mustard himself, as he was dealing with all sorts of stuff uh, and drama right around uh, 6.51, I think it was, last night uh, as that town hall was on in place of... um, Brett Bear's show on Fox News. So we will get to that and all sorts of other good things, including pressure rising and mounting for Chris Christie to drop. Not drop weight, but dro- well, <laughs> drop weight too, but to drop out of the election. Oh. So uh, we'll get to that. Also, Nikki Haley chopping away at uh, Donald Trump in New Hampshire. So we'll give you those numbers. And uh, also this Elon Musk-Don Lemon partnership is coming up. But right now, um, speaking of partnerships, a great partnership with the great Don Stenzel, because we have news. Round number two, 702, and away we go. Hello, yes, Dawn. in the wake of all the storms and high winds moving through, and we're bracing for high tide hitting us right now, so we'll talk about all of that. We're sponsored this morning on this Tuesday, January the 10th, or excuse me, Wednesday, January the 10th. The week is flying by, Wednesday, January the 10th, sponsored by American Heritage credit union this morning so we're tracking all of the road closures cancellations a lot of school cancellations or two-hour delays zoom learning for kids across the region flood warnings this morning after that powerful storm moved through and yes as i mentioned schuylkill river is cresting right about now so we're watching for this and that's you know kelly drive is flooded beyond City Ave and Roosevelt Boulevard bridges. All those are shut down because of this dump trucks actually blocking Kelly Drive and then the Falls Bridge to keep drivers away from those roads, which are all, and Lincoln Drive as well. All of these are flooded out and blocked off. So Schuylkill River rising to about a foot below major flood stage this morning. It should start receding then this afternoon. And that says the winds whip up and we start to dry out from this thing. But police say they are monitoring all of the usual suspects, those areas prone to flooding after the water started to rise on a lot of roads like River Road, Roxborough, Main Street, Manion, Kelly Drive, Cobbs Creek Parkway, Columbus Boulevard, etc., South Philadelphia. I pointed out earlier this morning, and I think it, it bears repeating that the Delaware River gauge at Columbus Boulevard and Washington Ave in South Philadelphia hit that record high last night. And this was just before midnight. That was kind of the worst of it. Just above levels seen during Hurricane Sandy. Uh, That was 12 years ago. Wow. So I'm looking if my kids, I'm seeing if they're schooled. Because, you know, they're like, oh, isn't school canceled? Everybody else is delayed. Yep, yep. So we've got that going on. More than 100,000 people without power this morning. So the the high winds that we saw, initially they thought the 50-plus mile-an-hour winds would be mostly in the coastal areas such as South Jersey, and that's why Governor Phil Murphy had declared that state of emergency. But we saw the high winds going well past what was expected, 
And so that's part of why we have these widespread outages across the region. Mm-hmm. So, I saw one of my neighbors was trying to walk one of their little dogs. Not like a buddy boy dog, but like one of those little dogs you could stick in a purse. I, I really <laughs> thought the dog was going to just completely blow away like Toto. I was like, man, this is brutal outside oh, no. today. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, the Brandywine Creek, watching that area, Perky Omen. I mean, all of these places that we talk about. Delaware County Emergency Management activating its emergency center. So flooding remains one of the top concerns here. So a lot of closures. PHL, we do have some airport delays and cancellations. So check if you are flying out, not because of what's happening right now necessarily, but because what happened within the past 12 hours. And then, of course, Amtrak, Acela, Northeast Regional, Keystone, all of those being affected. So just a heads up for travelers. If you're headed out, you want to check on all of this. I do, the good, here's the good news. I don't have reports of injuries and, and thank God for that. So I know that they are saying that because the ground is saturated and as we see that the, you know, the flood stage is reached, I know that the concern is people will drive into some of the waterways or these huge trees come down because their roots are so saturated and softened. But I don't have reports of injuries, and so that's I'm very thankful for that as well. We also have been reporting and updating you on this lawsuit, a major lawsuit, and the proceedings of the the way that people file in Pennsylvania for a civil lawsuit. This involves the family who is grieving after their security guard's son was murdered on the job inside Macy's in Center City. And so ultimately, Macy's is making the headlines, but this is the entire group. In other words, Macy's Retail Holdings, uh, Rubenstein Partners, the entire Chestnut, Chestnut Street property owner, Wanamaker Market, as well as um, the RPO, the property management. And, and it bears saying here that it's significant. This lawsuit is significant in the sense that as this grieving family is holding accountable those who were involved in employing their son, who was stabbed to death on the job, murdered on the job, a good kid, young young man by all accounts, holding two jobs, saving up. But does this have a chilling impact on these companies in Philadelphia who stayed here, mm-hmm. who did not leave amid the high crime and the Krasner policies that one might suggest led to these kinds of situations. Well, these companies have to do something to protect their employees better. To me, it's it's not as simple as saying, hey, in the future, um, and we've seen this at all of these retail establishments, if somebody tries to steal, if somebody tries to confront, just basically allow them to do whatever they want to avoid escalation of the situation. And obviously, and I don't know all of the specifics with this story, but this guy comes back at, I mean, this guy, the, the killer could have just kept going, right? Like stole the hat, you got what you wanted, and then you come back angry and then kill the guy. I mean, there's got to be, if we're going to have lawlessness with our authorities, then there's got to be a, an added onus on these corporations, right? Somebody's got to be held accountable for this. We just can't allow people to do whatever the heck they want at the risk of life. Yeah, I. You know, I imagine this will be settled. They they hired lawyers and they they filed all those initial filings to all of these different groups. And so I would imagine that this will go for a settlement rather than going to trial because mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, we are actually famous in the nation 
for being like a, a broken slot machine when it comes to jury trials in a case like this with a with a family like this that's so lovable, big loving family. And so if they if they go to court on this, to my understanding, when I talk to lawyers, this is what they said, that all of these different groups get together. They look at their insurance companies and the insurance companies weigh the risk of, do you go to trial? Do you not go to trial? Of course. And the payout. Yep. Right. And then the insurance company ultimately makes that decision. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at this saying they're all going to say, uh, let's work with this grieving family. Let's not put them through a trial. Right. And let's set the settle this. However, does Macy's now pull out of Philadelphia? Do these companies go to city leaders and put pressure on them to say, hey, you're going to crush business post-pandemic. You're going to mm-hmm. crush business post-pandemic in Philadelphia if you don't do something about this because the policy and the policy is there. Mm-hmm. And that's why the security guards unarmed as you may say, but why did they just say to the guy, okay, just return the stuff that you took and leave? Yep. Because they all know, Macy's knows, all these companies know, mm-hmm. and this guy, the same thing had happened at KOP and other places. Sure. Why Why do none of these places, why don't they, they say, hey, we're going to call the cops, you're going to be prosecuted, because they know you're not going to be prosecuted. Right. Another and they issue. have to waste their time. Yeah. Another issue on the plate of Sherelle Parker. Oh, this is true. Yep. So do they meet with her? So that's what we have to watch for. Good good eye there. That's so true. Uh, we have, and, and by the way, I will point out that Eric's, the victim here, Eric, his mom, uh, Dawn Fobbs, she spoke out yesterday saying she was so worried about her son's safety at Macy's because of the constant theft and, and what was going on there. Mm-hmm. She had pleaded with him to leave that job at Macy's. Right. And so he remember we reported that he had also secured that overnight job at the U.S. Post Office. Yeah, he had what two or three gigs. Going. Yes. Yeah, so he was working as you know what off working to eighty plus hours a week. Try to achieve the American dream. It's a sin. It is. Speaking of the post office, a postman in Philadelphia who was robbed at gunpoint. The postman is okay, but guess what? The U.S. Postal Service is not okay with this. They announced yesterday a huge reward, 150 grand, being offered for information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the guy who robbed this mailman in Philadelphia's University City section. So they are saying that they take this very seriously when you steal, when you, when you first hold up a postman who is, or postwoman who it works for USPS, but also because it's that would be a federal crime. And so they're putting the word out there saying that the mail carrier was threatened with a gun. The suspect threatened his life, said he would shoot and kill the mail carrier unless he handed over his keys. Those are master keys that unlock every single mail drop box across Philadelphia. Could you imagine going to work one day as a mailman and then encountering that? Like never in your wildest imagination do you think you're going to have somebody come up and try to rob you. No. Oh, you want Mister Johnson's Mastercard statement? Here you go, <laughs> thug. Take it, take it right away. I would, I'd drop my whole mail sack. I'm like, go ahead, have it. Well, that's and that's just it. They have to be out in the public. They have to go in every neighborhood. So now are they going to say that they're afraid to go in certain neighborhoods? Which, by the way, University City, pretty safe. Yeah, not far from here. Sure, right, right. And they don't have doors on their vehicles. That's true. Which got us. Which really right? has to suck in the winter. I would imagine. You know what we should do? Mailmen. They should all get uh, sawed-off chains, uh, uh, shotguns. 
<laughs> Let's arm all the mailmen. You want to steal this mail? Come on. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, it's insanity. Uh, there's so much happening today. We're watching all of it, and I will just headline for you uh, that New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, he touted all of his economic success, New Jersey, some real nuggets in there uh, with what he talked about in his State of the State address. Of course, he had to bring up JFK because he just, that's his role model. That's who he wants to be. But New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy delivering his uh, state of the state in his as he enters the seventh year in office. And the backdrop of this is that we, as we reported this week, all of the lawmakers voting in the Democrat, the Democrat controlled legislature in New Jersey, voting themselves a 67 percent increase in salaries, including the governor. Not that Murphy, it'll that will take place after he leaves office, but yeah, still. I'm voting for a 67% increase in my salary as well. <laughs> Everybody gets a 67% increase. Yeah, Why that's not? The what ticket? the hell? Wow. So we're talking about that. Um, let's talk about our sponsor, American Heritage Credit Union. Increase your spending power in 2024 with an American Heritage Credit Union Cash Rewards MasterCard. Right now, through January 31st, 2024, so you earn 3% cash back on everything you buy. Visit AmericanHeritageCU.org slash credit cards today. Insured by NCUA, Equal Opportunity Lender. We've already reached the high of today, which is 53 degrees. So as of right now, we're at 45, and we continue to cool down as the sun rises on a cooler, very windy day. So up to 40 mile an hour wind gusts, and this is our power crews really try to restore power to at least 65,000 Pico customers. Will that knock down more trees, et cetera? And also in South Jersey, Delaware, many power outages. Watching the forecast, this is Kale and Company News Live. All right, Don, thank you very much. What's on the cut sheet coming up at 745, which will include John Fetterman going in on Senator Bob Menendez. Still ahead this morning, Chris Christie. When will he drop out of the race? And coming up next, Elon Musk and Twitter show you how it's done. We're back after this on Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. As good as the regular season is, there's nothing like the NFL Super Wildcard Weekend. Six games, three days. For these teams, it's win or go home, including your Philadelphia Eagles, who play Tampa on Monday night. Uh, I said this, I'm taking the Eagles at minus two and a half. They've burned me a lot this season, but I'm gonna I'm 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 sticking with the Eagles. I think they're gonna beat Tampa on Monday night. You always have a spot in the playoffs with FanDuel in partnership with the Valley Forge Casino. It's America's number one sports book. If you don't follow my picks, go to FanDuel right now. FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel.com slash Greg to sign up. New customers can get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. FanDuel.com slash Greg. Sign up right now. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official partner of 1210 WPHT. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over. President of PA. First online real money wager. Only $10. First deposit required. Bonus issue does not withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Kale and Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. I'm Don Lemon, and you will respect me. You will watch me. <laughs> that is correct. Welcome back in. Kale and Company rolling on live <laughs> Wednesday morning. Nick Dawn and Greg. If you missed the news yesterday, 
Uh, a big victory, I believe, for Elon Musk, free speech absolutists, and even Don Limon. As the Don Lemon Show is coming to X, Elon Musk and X Business tweeting the following yesterday. We are delighted to announce a new content partnership with Don Lemon for his new project, The Don Lemon Show, the award-winning TV journalist. We'll share his unique and honest voice in 30-minute episodes three times a week covering politics, culture, sports, and entertainment. Don Lemon saying the following yesterday on his Twitter feed, saying, I've heard you, and today I am back, bigger, bolder, and freer. My new media company's first project is The Don Lemon Show. It'll be available to everyone easily, whenever and wherever you want it, streaming on the platform's where the conversations are happening. And you'll find it first on X, the biggest space for free speech in the world. I know now, more than ever, that we need a place for honest debate and discussion without the hall monitors. This is just the beginning, so stay tuned. To which Tucker Carlson, of all people, comes out and says, Congratulations, Don. It's a new world. And then Don Lemon says, Thanks, Tucker. So these two have clearly uh, had a rivalry disgusting. for many years, at least publicly. Maybe they actually get along off the air or do respect do. each other. Of course they do. But I would say this. If you truly embrace free speech as a free speech absolutist, this is good. And I think it shows that Elon Musk is not some partisan hack. Because really, if you think about it, Elon Musk is not a Trump voter. He's not a Trump supporter. He voted for Joe Biden. But he believes in free speech. He believes in the First Amendment. He's also really called out Big Pharma and a lot of other things. So, But he's also a climate nut job, right? And he's electric cars and Tesla. He's a science guy. So Elon Musk kind of bounces back and forth between the left and the right. But I think it shows you that Twitter, or now X, is really trying to be the true town hall. Uh, they also announced that Tulsi Gabbard and Jim Rome, sports broadcaster, have launched new shows on X. So you have Don Lemon, who's a left-winger, black man. You have Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat who left the Democratic Party, as now a female. Oh, well, she is not now a female. She's always been a female. Now a Republican. Uh, and then you have a white sports broadcaster in Jim Rome. And this is in addition to Tucker Carlson. This is in addition to Alex Jones returning to Twitter. And... I don't think that the left-wing outlets will budge, but I do think it puts a little bit more pressure on Meta and Google to kind of allow more of the left and right to flourish equally on their platforms. That doesn't mean that truth is always going to be there and be shared and be present, but I think with Twitter, what they have done really well is installed kind of their own fact-checkers, and they allow the public to be the fact checkers with the community notes. So if you say something that's absolutely false, you can be community noted as many people have. And I think what Twitter's trying to do here, and I give Elon Musk credit for this, is he's trying to break the internet cesspool of like-minded thinking where we all just kind of go into our own little echo chamber and stay in our own little, you know, community funhouse where all we see are shared viewpoints that we agree with whether it's left-wing, right-wing or centrist. And I, I think this is a, a substantial move for Elon Musk. I mean, I can't stand Don Lemon. I think he's a creep. I really do. I, I disagree with about 99% of the things that he says. Um, and he's certainly gone further and further left over the years. 
Remember, he gave you the, that breakdown like a decade ago. Remember we played old school Don Lemon where he was like, well, this is what the black community can do to be viewed differently. And we're like, whoa, that's 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 not 2021 Don Lemon. That's like 2012 Don Lemon. But I think this is a good victory for Elon Musk yesterday. I think we need to have this, to be completely honest. I think he chose. So Elon Musk, I think, is trying to find new revenue sources and he's trying to enter into the streaming service type industry. So I think he's toying. He's always, you know, toying with things. I guess the guy doesn't sleep. No. You know, rockets and inventing stuff isn't enough. Mm-hmm. But to me, I think he's taking three controversial people who he thinks might have a like a niche following. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe we won't watch these individuals, but maybe we will because we need the content. And Elon knows that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. But maybe he thinks, okay, how many people, even though Don Lemon's ratings sucked <laughs> on CNN yeah. and he was making a ton of money, that didn't work out. So he's, Lemon will be on three days a week. I mean, three three days a week. Yep. 30 for minutes what? a clip. Right? That's yep. it. Yeah. 90 minutes of work a week. Sweet. And then Tulsi Gabbard, she's going to do a documentary style thing. So that'll be occasionally that they'll announce it. And then what is um what's the former sportscaster uh, Jim Rome? I know his name, but like, what's he going to get? Is his? I'm assuming he's doing a sport. Five. A sport. He, oh, show. he's doing five days a week. Oh, yes, he, he is doing five. He's the only one doing five days a week. Yeah, let's not wow. gloss, let's not gloss over three thirty minute episodes. Yeah, that's Greg, okay. enough, Greg, what enough, are your thoughts? Enough, on enough with said. both of you. Enough. Uh, enough with both of you. Yeah. So so Don Lemon. Well, he you know he's here. I'm just going to say it. I mean, so. The one who may be who may get a following, and I don't know, Jim, I don't know Jim Rome, but he because he's on every day, maybe he gets a following. Mm-hmm. But for Don Don Lemon, half an hour, three times a week, will he really be able? You know, will he really be able to get that niche? Will he be? And how are they being paid? That's also my question. Yeah. I'm They're also, not being paid much. I'm wondering because he, you know, you, if you read Don Lemon's quotes there that I gave you, um, he said, you know, no more hall monitors. Um, he's freer than ever. Yeah. Uh, if you read between the lines, it makes me think, even though CNN, I think, went off the rails to the left, it makes me wonder if he's going to go even further left with his commentary. And maybe he was told at CNN that he needed to dial certain things back. Maybe we're going to get a more, and it doesn't mean you'll agree with it any less, but you're going to get a more uncensored, unfiltered Don Lemon, which will certainly create content and talking points for us. I'm sure there'll be times where it ends up on the cut sheet where he's going to say something completely outlandish that 100% of our audience disagrees with. But I, I think the big picture here is, like, this is what we need. We need to allow everybody to voice their opinion without fear of retaliation or retribution or censorship or silencing and suppression because, you know, like, when we prepare for this show, I mean, we get stories from the Washington Post, the New York Times. It's not like every one of our stories comes from the Daily Wire or something like that. And I think we need to, uh, if you value the marketplace of ideas and everybody being able to share what they they view to be the way the world is, I think it only leads to a a better, more... Let let the people sort out what they believe and what they choose to label as misinformation or disinformation. The government shouldn't be doing it, and I don't even like it when these companies do it, to be completely honest. I I want Twitter to be unfiltered. Don Lemon was a highly paid, coddled princess who got a $25 million payout, made $4 million a year. 
So let's see now, now that he understands what the real world is like, he formed his own media company, and let's see what what it's like to work for yourself. There's no hair and makeup. You can't go whining to management. So this is where the rubber hits the road. And probably hard to generate $25 million on your own. (laughs) I know, but I hated working at CNN. I hated working at Fox News. Dude, you got paid pretty damn well. You know, sometimes you just suck it up and deal with it if you want to live that lifestyle, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think that. So, yeah, and to your point, I mean, Tucker Carlson, why could he do this? Because he already had a lot of the mechanisms in place because of the pandemic. He had the home studio. He had the production company. He has a great loyal team of people who he worked with. And, and here's, here's the big one. Tucker Carlson already had the work ethic. I, I just, we will watch and I wish everybody well, but let's see, let's see how this goes. I do get the sense that you are right there. At least I don't know anything about either one of them personally, but it does seem like Tucker Carlson is a grinder, is a worker. Yep. I'm not saying that maybe Don Lemon, I could disagree with Don Lemon. I have no idea what his work ethic is like, but. Did you ever hear? I mean, I, I, I know him because he he worked here locally, but. So please share. He was, well, he just wasn't, he wasn't famous for that. I'm just saying. Okay. One of everything handed to him. 14 producers probably. Must be nice. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, welcomes Don Lemon with open arms to X. It, we'll do it live. Thank you very much, Tucker. 855-839-1210. So everybody's saying Ron DeSantis could be dropping out next week. But what about Chris Christie? He's polling terribly. Pressure starting to mount. Will sloppy drop? We'll get to that next. Kale and Company, stay right there. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Sloppy Chris Christie. Well, let's get to Mr. Christie. It's Kale and Company as we roll on live. Cut sheet coming up in about seven minutes. I've had a glimpse of it both last night and this morning. Stalkers stockpiling all sorts of audio gems and it's on your way in about seven minutes it's good to have you guys in nick dawn greg anthony and phil here as well 855-839-1210 getting very interesting pressure starting to rise on those who are not uh achieving numbers that maybe they had hoped for in the polls uh, last night you had ron DeSantis in iowa for a town hall uh that'll be featured in the cut sheet kind of a little bit of a scary moment uh towards the end of that broadcast uh in the six o'clock hour last night and we know from a cnn town hall perspective that both vivek ramaswamy and chris christie have missed the cut recently but honestly i'm you know we're talking about and yesterday and monday we discussed the reports out there according to sources that if ron desantis does not perform well in iowa he is going to drop out next week uh we know january 15th is the date to be paying attention to that is next monday but honestly and and i know i've said this before what exactly is chris christie waiting on here he is polling probably lower than anybody else and it's very interesting you know nikki is polling well but doesn't seem to have a ton of traction on social media. Uh, you have Vivek Ramaswamy, who, uh, amongst conservatives and even a lot of the Trump base, is getting a lot of support on social media, but has been polling really in fourth. He's been ahead of Chris Christie, who's in last place. And then DeSantis has kind of been flatlining or trending down in the wrong direction a little bit. But according to Mediate, there is a growing number of political observers 
that are arguing that if Chris Christie really wants to stop Donald Trump, because remember, everybody kind of carved out their own path, their own lane, and Chris Christie really uh, dug in the, the trenches saying, you know, uh, I am the guy that can win the nomination and beat Joe Biden. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is a uh, losing endeavor. He's been a declining asset ever since he won in 2016. But now they are arguing and making the case that if Christie wants to stop Trump, his best chance to do so is to stand down, drop out, and back Nikki Haley as the top challenger to Donald Trump. They go on to say, despite these efforts, however, Christie remains far behind Trump in the polls. Haley has been Trump's closest polling competitor in recent weeks, with recent studies indicating that her surge is closing the gap between herself and the frontrunner. A poll from USA Today, Boston Globe, and Suffolk University found that while Trump is still comfortably ahead of Haley, his 46% lead to Haley's 26% is a slip from his previous numbers. Christie, meanwhile, scored 12% amongst the poll participants. They also point out the latest CNN University of New Hampshire poll, where the ex-president is down to 39%, while Haley has chopped away to single digits at 32%. She only trails Donald Trump by 7%. Here's a quote. Haley would likely more would likely move even closer to Trump, If former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie were to withdraw as two thirds of Christie's supporters select Haley as their second choice, undeclared voters who plan to vote in the Republican primary favor Haley over Trump by more than two to one, while Trump holds a large lead amongst registered Republicans. With all this being said, a number of people have gone to Twitter in order to look at the current primary math, and they agree that Haley has a much better chance of overtaking Trump if Christie is to drop out to drop out and she absorbs all of his supporters. So, it's a very interesting kind of strategy here because we've seen Christie, he's come to the defense of Nikki Haley at debates. I I think he is just incredibly incredibly stubborn to even still be, I mean Really, he should have been out, I think, by the end of last year. Not sure what he gains, but I do actually agree with that mathematical equation there that if Christie drops, I think Nikki's going to get a big chunk of that support. So I think logic and common sense says, and yes, these are only polls, and take them for what they're worth, that Nikki Haley would probably chop away at Trump's lead kind of across the board. Even though Christie doesn't have a groundswell of support, those numbers, I don't think, because if, if, let's think about this logically. Could you see any Chris Christie supporters then backing DeSantis? Probably not. Chris Christie's the most moderate of the bunch. DeSantis, the most conservative. No Christie supporter is going to back Vivek. So who is probably the sweet spot between Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy slash Ron DeSantis? It's probably Nikki Haley. So I do agree with that. I think those votes probably would go to Nikki. Although I still think at the end of the day, it's largely all for nothing. It, it makes for compelling content. We'll talk about it. But I don't see any way that Nikki Haley is a true, true threat across the board to Donald Trump. Do you guys agree with that mathematical equation there? That the, once sloppy kind of goes by the wayside, that it by and large, the overwhelming majority will shift to Nikki? Well, I've said that from the beginning. I think that they all need to coalesce around one candidate, whoever that is, and then 
that person needs to go head-to-head with Trump. And yes, I think that person is Nikki Haley. Will it make much of a difference? No, uh, because what you're what you're discussing is basically just New Hampshire, right? Because right. it's just, you know, she's within striking distance of Trump in New Hampshire. Um, but if Christie drops out, you would assume that that support, his support in New Hampshire would go to her, which might give her the victory in New Hampshire. What does a victory in New Hampshire mean? I don't know. Right. You know, could it give her momentum going into uh, Super Tuesday? You know, we saw it happen with Biden. I, mm-hmm. you know, It's a long shot, but it could. The value of the Chris Sununu endorsement. Christie needs something for himself in this. So whether that's... Uh, Salad you know, bar. <laughs> I'm sorry, 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 I thought my mic was That's off. That's not right. No, my fault. <laughs> Chrissy needs something. Like he needs to uh, be promised something if Nikki Haley uh, becomes president, which is just laughable at this point. Yeah. Spot in the cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, my I just, goodness. I don't know. What are the He's he's only in it to be a to be a, a spoiler. I, yeah. Oh no, he's only. Greg, he's only in it to tell the truth. Oh, yeah, he's the truth teller. Yeah. yeah, he has the Wonder Woman golden lasso around him. It's time to cut his losses here and just uh, get ready for his new TV contract or another book or something else. So yeah, and that's his book. Isn't his book coming out this month? Or oh, next that's right. Month? That's right. Well, so, once the mm-hmm. book comes out, then you drop, right? Yeah, and I think he's you know he has the ties to the Bush family, so I think he at this point he he knows that his days are numbered but it's it's always like what what does he get out of this and as far as who he ha- who he is aligned with yes and so who's supporting him financially to stay in it and why yep. yeah all right 745 right on the dot let's get to a absolutely loaded edition of a wednesday what's on the cut sheet The Cushion is Wednesdays, brought to you by our good friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, where right now you can get a sensational 2023 S60, courtesy of Volvo, for less than $29,000. These beautiful Volvos have less than 5,000 miles. Hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo today to get yours. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Check them out on Route 70, Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. I do agree. January and February, always the best months to buy new cars. I'm saying. All right, let's let's uh, Phil. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of piggyback off of what uh, uh, Nick was just discussing here. So I'm gonna go to cut 14 here. Uh, Chris Christie was in. I guess this is New Hampshire. Yeah, he was in New Hampshire, and uh, he's refusing to drop out of the race. <laughs> um, this is what he said to a constituent last night. Uh, this is cut 14. Phil, go. Let's say I dropped out of the race right now. And I supported Nikki Haley. And then three months from now, four months from now, we get ready to go to the convention. She comes out and is his vice president. What will I look like? What will all the people who supported her at my behest look like? Wait, what? he's saying that she will become vice vice president to who? No, he's saying that if she becomes his vice president, meaning Trump, oh, and Trump's he, VP, and he drops out for her, what will it look like for him? Well, I mean, it's all about him, isn't that revealing? Yeah. It's all about me. Look, yeah. 
Here, I'm doing a selfie. What will I look like? What will that be? Oh, my goodness. Well, but that's 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 neither here nor there. That's unpredictable. You can't foresee that happening. The, you can only talk about what we actually know and what mm-hmm. the realities are right now. We can't forecast what's going to happen in May or June or July. Dude, you're polling in the single digits in most polls. Uh, what are you at? 12% in New Hampshire. You know who Chris Christie is? Mm. Chris Christie is the guy that's at the party that nobody wants at the party that is still sticking around, hanging out by the punch bowl, <laughs> waiting to have a conversation with somebody. Or, like, you know, you go to a party and there's like three or four different little factions and cliques. He's trying to just get in with somebody somewhere, somehow. And yet he's just standing there in isolation by himself. Go home. The party no longer wants you around. Woof. Read the room. Tough love Just from read. Nick Kale. I mean, it's not, it's not <laughs> difficult. Just read the room. It's very difficult. It's very easy to figure out when you're welcomed yeah. and you have a following or if you're just kind of like the sore thumb that sticks out. Like, he's just got nothing. I've said this from day one. I was like, I don't know who this guy appeals to. And I think well, he, the, like, the polling is accurate. Not he, many. He appeals to the Never Trumpers, okay. right? Which is a, which is a, a small group that honestly, is not really showing up as quantifiable in any of these polls. Um, speaking of who he appeals to, uh, let's talk about Ron DeSantis's, um, uh, uh town hall last night that he had in Iowa for, uh, for Fox News with um, Martha McCallum and Brett Baer. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. This is, uh, this is how it, it ended. There, there was a protester uh, that was there um, that kind of interrupted him when he was discussing uh, the abortion topic, and this is how that sounded. This is cut seven. Phil, go. Well, I think this is actually a way I can take both the first and the second part of your question, uh, because, you know, I think it is important to stand for a culture of life. I'm the only one running that has actually enacted protections for the sanctity of life. I'm the only one that's been able to do that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, honey. No oil money. No oil money. And you learn with these people, right? <laughs> All right. All right. Well, you guys, that was a mistake. You guys didn't get that one right. Okay. So, what, what were so they I saying? No more important. honey? No, no, no oil. oil. No oil for money. Yeah. No so oil for money. Yeah. They, they came up from like the back of the, uh, the auditorium. And they were kind of walking quick, and I don't know if they were running up, and they had like a yellow and black flag, and they got right up towards like they the po- like the stage mm-hmm. where yep. he was at. So I got to imagine he was very uncomfortable. And you see there in the clip some of the security guards or people in different suits just usher these guys out and pretty much you know rip them away from. So like I I think there's got to be an element where DeSantis is like, geez, I wasn't expecting anybody to kind of charge at me. Um, and th- I was actually watching that live. I texted you guys when it happened. Yeah. Um, the, the, the older gentleman in the audience took like five minutes to ask this question. <laughs> and DeSantis is just like, like his head was ready to explode. <laughs> the guy was giving like a big take. And then oh, Brett, really? Brett Bear was like, can we get to the question? Oh, boy. Can you ask your question, oh, sir? That's funny. And he goes, okay, so I'll get to my question now. And then it took him another two minutes to ask the question. <laughs> and then that nut job with the flag runs up there. Uh, but he got back on track after that. Ron DeSantis then says that the the Republicans need a candidate willing to go toe to toe with Biden, and that Trump is not willing to debate. So we're back on the debate issue. Uh, this is how that sounded. Cut eight. Phil, go nominee. What are the chances that he's not the nominee? Look, I, I just think there's clearly people in the Democratic Party who look and say, you know what, this guy is a, a few fries short of a Happy Meal. That's just the reality. Okay. And, and, and I, I see that. Uh, most Americans see that. So 
what are the Democrats going to do um, going forward? I can tell you, uh, I would love to run against Biden. Uh, I'm not going to let him hang out in his basement. We would run him ragged around this country. Um, I would love to be able to be in a debate with Biden and be able to hold him accountable uh, for his policies. But the reality is, is there's a lot of talk. That's part of the reason I did it on Fox with Sean Andy. I debated the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. People are like, well, why are you doing that? Well, one, I mean, if I can get on national TV for 90 minutes, I'm going to take that opportunity. But two, I do think you as Republican voters need to ask which candidate would be able to go toe-to-toe with some of these other Democrats who they may run. Uh, you know, Donald Trump's not been willing to debate at all uh, this time. We don't know how, how he would fare. Obviously, he struggled against Biden in that first debate in 2020. That's just, unfortunately, the fact. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to go against anyone they throw at us, but there's definitely a possibility that it is not Biden. So I think I'm actually going to give a, a, a different opinion for the first time on this. And he just jarred my mind mm-hmm. when it comes to Sean Hannity. You know, oh, if I can get on for 90 minutes on national TV, why the hell wouldn't I? I actually think maybe one of the strategies was if you go up there, because let's be real, Gavin Newsom's policies mirror the Biden administration's policies. So I think DeSantis looked at it as a point where, hey, if I go up there and I carve up Gavin Newsom, who many people think will be the president one day, and I obliterate and I show the failures of of his policies, which echo and mimic and mirror the Biden administration's policies, this looks very good for me, because if I can beat Gavin Newsom in a debate, I mean, my God, I will absolutely just destroy Joe Biden in a debate. I think every Republican primary nominee that thinks that they should be the president would love the opportunity to debate. Joe Biden. I mean, Phil and Anthony right now are salivating over the possibility of debating Joe Biden. So it's it's a guaranteed victory. If if debates matter, mm. they'll destroy Biden. But we've seen many times that people already have their minds made up before these debates. Um, you know, we say all the time about these town halls that that the the moderators or whatever should kind of step aside and let the the audience asks the questions, right? Yes. Like more audience questions. <laughs> I don't know. Because of your point about the guy who droned on and on and this gentleman that I'm about to play right now is that sometimes uh, they think that they're um, stars mm-hmm. and they get in front of the microphone and they kind of just go off. Uh, this is a this is a person who, um, who, who was talking about... Uh, Ron DeSantis uniting America. Oh, this is the clip. This is the guy I'm referring to. This oh, guy's, is it? Yeah, this guy's 77 years old. It took him about eight minutes to land the plane. Uh, <laughs> well, I only pulled like like a minute 20 of it. Okay. Uh, this is cut uh, uh, nine, Phil Go. Hey, next up, we've got a question from Christopher. He's a retired energy worker. Uh, where are you, Christopher? There you are. Um, now, as is the case in Iowa, a lot of people go to a lot of different events. And we noticed that you went to a town hall event just last week and you asked Governor DeSantis a question. I think the question at that was that um, he didn't maybe go hard enough against the former president. Is that right? Yes. And so where are you in this race right now? Like, where, well, are, you, where are you leaning? Well, from the very beginning, I, uh, I was uh, I picked out Ron. And, and I'll tell you the reason. Um, I believe when the Democrats vote for Biden, they're not voting for Biden, uh, but they're voting against Trump. Yep. And and uh, the same thing um, if they're uh, if they're uh, voting for Trump, then they're voting against Biden. And and the reason I asked Ron that question, uh, why he wasn't going after Trump, is because I look at Ron as the only candidate 
Is this a question? It can unite the country. <laughs> this is a big Cause, take. Because look at it. Trump gets elected, <laughs> half the country is still going to be divided. And hopefully we don't, you know, they don't go to any. Well, no, speaking of the government, you, you do have a question for the government. Yeah, I what's your question, one. dude? And, uh, dude. But, I, but I believe Ron can unite the country. Well, we got to have somebody <laughs> that we can all stand behind, Republican or Democrat. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, sir. And he's the guy that can do it. What's your question? Thank you. Okay, well, my question, Ron, Twice. is... Um, Two days later. Uh, it took well, I can snip years. what you just said, package that, and run that as an ad in Iowa over these last few days, because I appreciate that. Yeah. Right, uh, but, there we go. I don't care about his question. Yeah. Ron's <laughs> uncle. Well, the, the Yeah, DeSantis paid him for that. The check's in the mail, Skippy. Um, no, that was the guy right there. That guy ends up asking the abortion question, which leads to those protesters yeah. running up uh, on the stage there. Um, so, yeah, this was uh, obviously a guy that just had an agenda. But to actually comment on what that guy was saying... Um, yes, any vote for Biden is really not necessarily the endorsement of Biden, but it's the vote against Trump. I don't agree that any vote for Trump is a vote against Biden. I think votes for Trump are in part of a vote against Biden, but certainly a vote for Donald Trump. But is Ron DeSantis, and I, I like DeSantis, you know that, yeah. even though his campaign has been terrible. No, Ron DeSantis is not a uniter. Not even close. I mean, he's the most conservative guy running. He's not good. And this whole thing of Yes, we are more divided than ever, but let's ask the real question. Aren't we really just the divided states of America to begin with? Or have we ever been truly, no, truly of united? Not. Of course not. I mean, I know we rallied after 9-11 and, and moments like that, but like, eh, for on. a day. For a day. <laughs> you know, this whole thing, like, you know, you're going to unite the country. Technically, technically, the biggest uniter would be like a moderate Republican or moderate Democrat, but... I will say this, that uh, Ron DeSantis cannot get elected in a general election because of abortion, the heartbeat bill. Right. Six, he, the six he, weeks. He then. cannot be elected. He will not be elected. I'm telling you right now. I agree. He is not electable in a general election. That's where, And that's where Nikki Haley has thrived with the abortion message. Speaking of Nikki Haley, he went after her uh, last night about uh, something she said about Iowa. This is cut 10 Phil Go of the country and will you go with them that whole distance well, well first i mean you know it, it's tough for me to take uh something from somebody that goes to another state and then says iowa's votes need to be corrected um you know i found that to be deeply offensive i've traveled to all 99 counties i've met folks here in iowa uh folks here represent the best of america they're patriotic, hardworking, God-fearing. That's what we need to engineer a comeback of this country. Uh, so uh, she can swoop in here and try to do that. But what she did was wrong. Here's the here's the issue. There you go. So she's had a lot of negative things to kind of say, I well, guess. Uh, I mean, she's barely been in Iowa, right? Yeah. I don't. Uh, it's kind of interesting. She's been more focused, it seems like, on New Hampshire. DeSantis has been focused on Iowa. Yeah. And, you know, we've got South Carolina that will come up after that. Which, I mean, maybe the most interesting thing of all is the fact that Trump, the guy that's, you know, I mean, Trump, and Trump's been in Iowa as well. The guy that's not doing any of the debating is winning states like South Carolina and Florida. Like, if you're DeSantis and Haley and you're losing your own home state to Trump, that's another indicator that, hey, um, it's probably not meant to be. Well, that's that's the thing, is that if she can't win her own state, what state can she win? I know. New Hampshire, okay, but like... There's so many very there's very few opportunities for victory for anybody not named Trump in these primaries. It's true. It's absolutely true. I th I just love. I'm sort of smiling because I think 
that in his little self-involved rant that you played with um, Chris Christie, yeah. speaking of Trump, I think Christie dropped the little bomb that I, I, that I have said, and people say, no way. Mm-hmm. I believe that the truth is Nikki Haley will, will be the VP, can, may very well be the VP candidate for Trump. Even though everybody says, no way, they hate each other. I think that's the fact that Christie is on the inside and that's what he fears and that's what he sees mm-hmm. and that's his worst nightmare because he aligned himself with Nikki Haley, but then <laughs> then she goes with Trump and like no, there's nothing for Christie. So I, I to me, I just I, I just keep thinking about that and thinking I'm smiling about it. I don't think I, think I don't think Trump hates Nikki Haley. I, yeah. I think that's a misnomer. I, I to be honest, I don't know that Trump really hates anybody. He just you know he does his bit, he does his routine, he goes after people because that's that's the way he's wired. But you know when, if you're a perceived threat or a challenger or you attack him or you're not loyal like DeSantis, he's going to go back after you. I I wonder in regards to the VP conversation with Trump and Nikki Haley, does Trump? weigh and factor in and take into account the fact that his base does not like Nikki Haley. It's not, his base is going to... I don't I don't agree with, with that conclusion. I think right now the base is irked by anybody who says anything bad about Trump, but the truth well, is... Well, that's been from day one. Right? But she's yeah. been very careful. First of all, he hired her. She was in his administration, number one. Number two, she's very careful to say... He's not the right president. He was the, he was the, the president. It was the right time for him to be president then. I forget how she words it, but she words it very carefully to say it was the right time for him to be president then, but now is the time for Nikki Haley. She words that very carefully. I, I, I think if we were to throw up a poll question, and maybe I'll shoot myself in the foot here, okay. and maybe I'll be dead wrong. That's uh-huh. fine. Uh, but my gut tells me, and let's actually, if we could throw this up all, either on Twitter or YouTube, I'd like to see the results. How about both? Uh, that's fine, both. Um, uh, these three female options mm. for Trump's VP, who would you rather have? Nikki Haley, Christy Nome, or Tulsi Gabbard? If those were the three options, now let's say Trump is absolutely committed to picking a female VP. My guess right now is that more people in that poll that we put up would rather have Christy Nome or Tulsi Gabbard over Nikki Haley. Christy Nome is... no question about that. But Christy Nome, and I like her. Remember, she was here, and we met her, and she's lovely. But she has some weird baggage (laughs) that I'm not going to get into that I don't want to believe. But too many people say it, and Corey Lewandowski, Lewandowski, that little wiry little runt. The rumor was was that she was having an affair. Ew. And that her husband moved out of the governor's mansion. She's also, yes, she is a governor, but of kind of a lower lower energy state. I mean, Nikki Haley has been in it. She has more gravitas. And uh, so, so for Christy Nome, I wish her the best, and I know that she'll be around and hopefully work out this baggage. But that baggage is nasty, and it's just—I um, just think there are some files and pictures mm-hmm. that I, I, okay, it's not going to happen. And so, and so with Tulsi Gabbard, I, I just don't see Tulsi. I don't see that happening. And she, in her heart, is a Democrat. And remember, I mean, it's Lincoln-esque. Remember Lincoln <laughs> Johnson who was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. That didn't go well. I, I just think that Trump, in truth, at the end of the day, yeah. Nikki Haley is the best choice for him. And mm-hmm. I do think wow. that's what's wow. going to happen. I don't. 
Uh, boy, I I mean, I'm getting, there's a lot of um, chatter here about this on the YouTube chat. JC3 <laughs> says, Trump, Haley, I would stay home. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. And if you do, I'm you're calling you out. You're a bum. No, you're not a yes, bum. Yes, you are. You're that's just... a that means more for Biden. You, you can't, what... We can't do that. I'm staying home. That, you know what that reaction is? <laughs> Don't call this show if you stay home. <laughs> the reaction is, and I get it. I do. I get it. That reaction is like when you're a kid and your mom says, you're wearing those shoes. And you're like, I'm not wearing those shoes. I'm not going you're to wearing, school today. Yeah, you're, you're doing it. You're wearing those shoes and you're going to school. So it, it's going to happen. Remember, Trump posted on Truth just a few days ago. He goes, I like my people America first. What is Nikki not so much? What does Nikki Haley get him? You know what I mean? Like, I, I understood the Mike Pence thing, but what does Nikki Haley get him? The way she's positioned the abortion message, maybe that brings over some females that were maybe anti-pro-life that like the way Nikki frames it, that maybe is enough to get some of the suburban mom votes. By the way, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHD, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHD. The poll is up right now. Who should be Trump's VP, Nikki Haley? Is it sh- who should be or who will be? Who will be. Who will, yeah. who will be. Because remember, I'm going to say this. Okay, first of all, Nikki Haley, uh, she's a female. She 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 does check the boxes. But I will say this as well. She gets the South. She's Southern Christian husband, serving military son, military. She she also, I'm just going to say this because Trump is a big TV guy, TV star, TV guy, image guy. And he's from that era. Mm. Right. And so look at the look. okay? because he because Trump loves that. He loves the look. Mm -hmm. And the look is that he is with a, a, a female who. He's next to now, and the look is of diversity and of somebody who, remember, because she's Indian American. Yeah, but do you think the average person that's yes, oblivious knows it, that Nikki's a minority? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Because, like, if I just see Nikki Haley and I knew nothing about her, I would have thought that was like a, an, an older version of Kelly Kapowski from Say by the Bell. <laughs> no, she... They Believe me, and they do research on all of this, and in, and in television... They the research is extensive and Trump, having been working for NBC Network for, what, 17 years with a hit show, is very well aware of that type of research. I'm I have no doubt that his team is doing that research currently and they'll look at that. But I just for multiple reasons think it will be Nikki Haley. And also he knows her. They she worked for him and she tends to be gracious she is a Southern lady. Trump has too many people in his inner circle that would steer him away from Tulsi Gabbard. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm sorry. Not Tulsi Gabbard. Nikki Haley. Oh. Oh. Yes. He has too many people in his inner circle really? that would that would steer well, him away said- from, including his son. Don Jr. has mm. been on record saying that, like, I would fight that. I know they're on record now. But let's let's move forward, and he's the guy. And okay, he has so, to look at this. So you're admitting then that that the Trump team is disingenuous then, because the, one minute no. they hate her, the next minute they don't. No, it's all it's, it's all a politics. process, Greg. Okay. It's a process. Yeah. Trust the process. Trust you're the in process. Philadelphia. That's okay. right. Ten years in, no results. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so like you, you said, well, you know, Trump's gonna she, tr- Nikki will deliver the South. Trump has the South though, right? Trump has the red states. Trump who, Nikki who, Haley will deliver nothing. Well, here's the here's my point. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the VP out there that could help Trump win the battleground states? Is there somebody out there that can secure Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin or Arizona or Nevada? Or or we, we look at this cluster of six or seven states that are absolutely going to decide this razor-thin margin. 
That, to me, should be the calculus. Who gives us the best chance to win these swing states? I don't need reinforcements in Florida. I got Florida. I've got South. I've got Georgia. Well, maybe not Georgia. I've got Alabama. I've got Mississippi. Like, you know, if, I don't think Nikki does if, anything for that. I regard. will say. If Trump I, wants to win, he needs women. He does need yeah. women. I mean, I will say this. I, You know, I love, I love Byron Donalds. I do love him. But I think, to your point, I think Trump will choose a woman. Well, who I do. does he need more? Does he need the black vote or the female vote? The female vote. Because Biden and Donald, I think, certainly helps with there the are black more, vote. There are more women than men in this country. Just remember that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, here's the thing. Women, but women love men. It's Women are weird. American women are just weird. I agree So they have to parse through this. I, But I just... I when I look at this, you guys are my really instinct. Off the, I know the YouTube I know chat. I it's am. amazing. It is amazing. I know. I am. And let's just be honest. <laughs> Too many damn women. Let's let's be honest here that v- VPs don't win the election. Of course not. So I just I'm just telling you my instinct is that it'll be Nikki Haley that she will be the Veep and and so when Chris Christie said that because that's his worst nightmare. <laughs> that's it, his worst it, nightmare. It is. It is. There is, I will bet both of you $200 that it is not Nikki Haley Mm -hmm. as his vice president. Um, I agree with you, so. I'm not going to make that bet because I have no idea. It's just just my instinct right now. But there are others I love. I just have the feeling it'll be her. The problem is, is that there's too many people who are turned off by Nikki Haley in the Trump base that would that could not vote for him if he chooses her. That's not going to happen. Uh, as opposed to what she brings to the it's table. It's not going to happen. Nobody who nobody who wants Trump is going to be turned away from voting for him. That because of her, because of a veep? Oh, you're, no, you're, it's not going to happen. So wrong. No, so, I'm not wrong about so that. So you don't believe that that guy in the YouTube chat that he's going to stay home? <laughs> no. Because you know what? I I am a Trump supporter. Nothing could turn me away from voting for him because I'm not just voting for Trump. I'm voting for my country and my kids. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. I, I okay. Um, well, James Carville, the raging Cajun. Yeah. He was on with uh, Anderson Cooper last night. Oh, Bill Clinton, 1992 guy. He says that he believes that Trump will underperform expectations in Iowa. He still thinks that Trump will win Iowa. But it's not going to be by the margin that everybody's laying out. This has cut 16 guys go. And James, President Biden has made the former president's efforts to overturn the election the centerpiece of his re-election campaign. Is that a smart strategy in your mind? Your mind? Well, it's not a strategy, yes. I mean, you know, we did Bidenomics and we did democracy. Now we're at the top. I mean, I don't have a, 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 a problem at all. What I'm going to do is take this opportunity to make a further fool of myself in predict that Trump will underperform expectations in Iowa. I, I think the opposition, the, Mr. Vanderplatz, I don't know my, very little about Republican primary caucus voters in Iowa, but they seem to me to be pretty well organized and pretty committed. And there's going to be zero degrees. And I, I'll just go out there and say, I think he'll, 
I don't, I'm not saying he's going to lose, but I, I, he might not win by as much as expected. Mm. So that, so that's where we're at right now. He's not going to lose, but he's not going to win by this big margin. Well, Mr. Carville, I reckon what makes you a fool is wearing that LSU hat on TV. Sir. Oh, he's a huge LSU yes, fan. Come on, buddy. And as an Alabama fan, I can't stand for that. But anyway, back to the relevant stuff that matters. So what's the? who cares if Trump wins by 40 points or wins by 22 points? I mean, Trump's going to win. I think DeSantis will show relatively well and respectably in Iowa. Um, I still don't think DeSantis will drop post-Iowa. I think we're probably four to six weeks away from, I think you guys laid out the timeline in the calendar yesterday when we were talking about when DeSantis could drop out. But no, I think Trump's going to win, and I don't really care whether or not he wins by uh, what the polls say or less than what they say. And by the way, Trump loves winners. And so if she, if Nikki Haley outperforms all the expectations and she's a formidable candidate, he respects that. Uh, did he make Ted Cruz his running mate? Well, Ted, that's different. That, <laughs> Why? It, that's different because... God, uh, I could never see Ted Cruz as a vice president. No. Oh, my God. Too much of a clown show. No, I mean, he's he just isn't wasn't the right one. But He's a goof. Um... He's a brilliant guy. I, I just oh, I, I like him. He's just he just you know it's hard to take him serious sometimes. A little little dog and pony show with him. Sometimes. I'm just saying all of this. It's a campaign. It's a tough campaign, and so with Nikki Haley, she's in there. She's a fighter, and she remains classy, and so and that's important. It just it just it just worries me the way the mainstream portrays Nikki. You know, we remember remember when we laid out for you in the big take when I said I was out on Nikki. I think this was the begin. Um, I think this was the begin of the new year. It feels like it's been forever ago. This is probably January second when we uh, I said I was done with Nikki Haley. Where Vivek laid out the blueprint about all of the companies and the way the media and he basically labeled Nikki Haley a Trojan horse. And once I saw that BlackRock and Vanguard and companies like that were getting behind Nikki Haley. That should raise a red flag to everybody out there that wants to get away from these establishment swamp creatures. And I thought Vivek was really astute with how he portrayed Nikki. And this would be the way that they could sit there and say, see, we're not partisan. We back a Republican. Why? Because I think there's a lot of Nikki Haley that's very controllable, pro-China. There's just a lot of red flags. Like I said, in the big take, the more you hear and read and see and listen to people you get a better read on these people that's why i'm out on nikki haley as president yeah but if she's controllable like you say first of all when you're the when you're the veep you are essentially making public appearances okay you are you are somebody who's out there who you're the president is is leading things and and it's trump's show sure so it's not her show at all but i do think that she I think that she, what she represents and the way that she represents it uh, could could indeed could indeed attract some of those independents, some of those women voters who are on the fence about Trump. So she softens him up a little bit, and so I think there's that. And I also think it's significant if she if she speaks out and says in her own words, in her own way, and she does have that Southern ladylike way. Mm-hmm. And she says, hey, I've worked for him. And although, yes, he, he can be brash. And although sometimes I don't appreciate some of his tweets, look at his policies. And when she and when she has advocated for him in the past and if she would do that now, I think that's a powerful uh, message that that if it could be authentic and if she would go for that, 
I, I think that a, that a Trump-Haley ticket would be formidable. Okay. We talked about this a little bit in the 6 o'clock hour, uh, but I'm going to play the audio now. Trump attorney John Sauer argued before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals on Tuesday, telling a three-judge panel... The former president should be immune from his ongoing federal prosecution for attempting to overturn the 2020 election. The lawyer claimed Trump's actions are covered by presidential immunity because they were done in his in his official capacity as president and because the Senate did not convict him for it. Uh, this is uh, Judge uh, Florence Pan asking Sauer if the conception of presidential immunity would extend to a political assassinations. This is what made all the news yesterday. This is how that that sounded. Uh, there's no video of it. It's just, uh, you know, it's just audio. Yep. Uh, this is cut 13A. Phil, go. I asked you a yes, no, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached? Would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. So, so your answer is, is, no. is My answer is qualified, yes. There's a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. In these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what the founders were much more worried about than using criminal prosecution to discipline presidents was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47, the, you know, the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And, of course, that's exactly what we see in this case. All right, so he's referring to Federalist number 47 there. So there's differing takeaways from what transpired yesterday from those in the know that were in that room. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the 630 segment that there was one person that was there from Fox that thought this was the arguments made by the special counsel were not necessarily rejected, but weren't viewed as favorably by these three justices, whereas Turley's takeaway was that Trump's legal team and their arguments were not hitting home with, I guess, the precedent and the framework they used to position why Trump believes he has immunity in this. I think at the end of the day, what's going to happen is this is going to go to the Supreme Court. We are never going to see that March trial date, and we are probably, I, I would be willing to bet, this is, I, I'm just going to throw a percentage out, 80 to 90% likely that this will not be concluded before the election concludes in November. Uh, Fox News legal analyst Jonathan Turley was on the network uh, yesterday, and he told uh, the hosts that Donald Trump's latest legal argument doesn't pass the smell test. This is what he said on Fox News yesterday. Cut 13B, Phil. Is that the case, Jonathan? Can a, can a, a, a president under certain circumstances order the assassination of a political rival and receive immunity for it? <laughs> I don't believe it is the case. Uh, you know, this was really, I think, very illustrative of how the argument went. It was a series of jump scares. Both sides uh, were presenting the, these parades of horribles that would come if you don't accept our, our, our argument. I think what was clear to me from the argument uh, was that probably Trump's ar uh, this argument of impeachment first, prosecution later is a dead letter with the panel. I don't believe 
that the judges agreed that you needed a conviction to ever prosecute a president. Uh, but there's still a lot of, of ambiguity there. The question is what the court described in Nixon versus Fitzgerald as the outer per parameters of presidential authority or duties. And the question is, does this fit within that gray area? Because the, the Supreme Court and the, and the lower courts have struggled for this, and it's not clear. And, and so there's, there's legitimate debate here. Mm. I did not come a away thinking the panel was likely to rule with the former president. At some points, they seem to be debating more as to whether I'm going to use a sledgehammer or a, or a stiletto. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, 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 they were arguing what is the best grounds for getting rid of this appeal. But, you know, we really don't know, and time will tell. But what is clear is that it won't take much time. So you have Michelle Childs, Karen Henderson, Florence Pan are the three panel judges, two of which are Biden appointed. So if this appeal does not go in Trump's favor, he can appeal it to the court of last resort, which is the Supreme Court of the United States. Although I'm trying to figure out, and maybe you guys know this, what, what assassination are they referencing here? Or assassination attempt, I should say. They're, it's just like a hypothetical. These are hypotheticals. Okay. Although Trump brought up, and, and it was brought up, Trump brought up, um, you know, when Obama did those drone strikes. Uh, that's what I thought he was referring to, but that wouldn't be an assassination attempt. That no. was a military strike. They're just saying, like, okay. if, if somebody did that, yeah. I've, I, took the, I took that as a hypothetical. But, right. you know, if you look back through um, George W. Bush, Iraq, you look at Obama, the drones, yeah. the drone strikes, which were deadly and yep. even... Americans, by the way, were killed in those, and nobody talks about that. So those were some of the things I know that Trump brought up afterwards where he's saying, uh, you know, are, are you going to say that all these individuals then could be tried for, for mm -hmm. murder? Right. Well, if the Supreme Court of the United States is struggling and wrestling with legal concepts, then I would imagine the rest of us in America are because you know, they're the, the most intelligent uh, justices on the planet. Um, yesterday on The View... They were uh, discussing Trump, and they say that if uh, Joy Behar uh, says that if Trump wins, it's the media's fault. And Whoopi Goldberg said that Trump will disappear journalists and gay folks. Right. <laughs> disappear him. He's Hitler, I tell you. He's Hitler. Cut 15, guys, go. What I wish is that the media would, would take these people on. I know you might have talked about it yesterday, but I wasn't here. I'm watching Meet the Press with that oh. annoying... A Stephanic woman yeah. calling these insurrectionists on January 6th hostages. Okay, they were there voluntarily. Yeah. They're not hostages. And whoever was in that seat Kristen well, did not say those are not hostages. That was disappointing this. because she is a, I mean, an excellent journalist. Come on, but if she you don't the confront these there. people on their lies in the media, we will lose this. She dropped the ball on that I'm interview. sorry. No, that's, that's, that's okay. That's all right. But I, I'm here to say it's ours to lose. <clears throat> it is this kind country. This is what it's all about. Either you want it to work forward thinking, you want everybody to have the ability to say how they feel, what they want to move forward, or you don't. Or you want somebody who says, I'm going to be on day one, I'm going to be a dictator. 
who says it to you, tells you, I'm going to put you people away. I'm going to take all the journalists. I'm going to take all the gay folks. I'm going to move you all around and disappear you. If that's the country you want, you know who to vote for. Well, the if, that's not, if that's not the country you want, you have to make a decision. Look at all the seals in there yucking it up, clapping like little puppets. Uh, so all right, here's what Trump's going to do. We're going to take the journalists. They're going to disappear like Jimmy Hoffa. And then all the gay people, we're going to stick you in this closet and you're going to stay there for the rest of eternity. That's according to Whoopi Goldberg. That's what she thinks is going to happen. Maybe Joy should just call it a day. I think Joy's, what, 82, 83? Maybe it's time for Joy just to retire and stay on vacation permanently. Um, I I love how Whoopi has the audacity to say, uh, if you want to have the right and be able to say what you want to say, well, then you need to vote for Joe Biden. Has she been asleep for the last three and a half years? Because under (laughs) Joe Biden, a lot of people haven't been able to say what they want to say freely without being suppressed and censored. Uh, yesterday we found out uh, that uh, Secretary Lloyd Austin, uh, his health issue was that he went in, he had prostate cancer and he went in for uh, surgery and there were some complications with it. We also found out yesterday that um, uh, the Biden administration learned yesterday <laughs> that he had uh, this condition and what happened. So there's a few cuts from uh, that yesterday. The, the uh, press briefing, John Kirby started off and he... And Steve Ducey, or Peter Ducey, whatever, went at, uh, went at it and discussed about uh, the defense secretary's health status. And this is how that sounded. Cut for Phil Go. For all the detail on that. But more broadly, why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here and by what and by uh, uh, how 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 hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And and wait, wait now, just give me a second now. I, I know you got another one coming here, but but we all recognize that this didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels not just the notification process up the chain of command but the transparency issue we all recognize that and i think we all want to make sure we learn from that i uh, it's up to you and your colleagues and it's up to the american people to determine you know how much they're going uh, to ascribe what happened here to our credibility on every single issue but in in every way Secretary Austin has been an exceptional defense secretary, and he still has the full faith and confidence of the commander-in-chief. He has led uh, the department at an incredibly dangerous time for uh, our national security interests and those of our allies and partners. But but if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health, how can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? If... If you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that the minute wait, wait, years old. wait a second, just give me a second what? here, bub. There I'll get there. Oh, bub. If, <laughs> if 
administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. What happened here is the Secretary of Defense, uh, for whatever reason, I can't answer the question why, uh, that information wasn't shared. It wasn't shared widely in the department and it certainly worse? wasn't shared with You're the United States. No, it's, not, it's not good. It's certainly not good, <laughs> which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to We want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Now, hang on a second, young whippersnapper Ducey number two. I'm not done yet. I know you got another one in the chamber. Uh, i tell you what, early on there, he was really struggling. He could have used Kareem's binder for a moment now. Like, <laughs> yeah. He needed some binder assistance yeah. there. Um, but here's the thing, and I do think this is a bad spot for John Kirby. This is a bad spot for Kareem Jean-Pierre because they have bad facts. And the, the, there's no way to sugarcoat it. This is what you've been handed. This is what you have to try to spin to the American public. But there, there really looks like a breakdown in the chain of command and communication here between the White House and the Pentagon. Because you have Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, who is technically the sixth in charge, right? If you look at the hierarchy from Biden down to the vice president, down to three, four, or five, and Lloyd Austin is number six. But my question is, and we still don't have the answer to this, and we'll never get the answer, this, so this was not an elective procedure, technically. You know, you know prostate cancer, you got to address that. So if I would ever be, if I ever came to the conclusion that a doctor told me, hey, Nick Kale, you've got prostate cancer, which, by the way, men, start getting checked for that when you're told to do it because it could save your life. Like, I would, gum, I would go to Greg Stocker and say, hey, boss, um, I have prostate cancer. I'm going to be out for the next seven days. I'm having a procedure. Like, I don't understand why you would hide that. From Joe Biden. Like, what's Joe Biden going to do? What's yeah. Joe Biden going to say? No, you can't have it. We've got our troops under attack in Syria and Iraq. You can't have your prostate taken, uh, removed, or whatever surgical procedure being done. Like, th- th- how do you explain this? We- we've got two wars going on. We've got uh, troops all over the place. Troops that are under attack in the Middle East right now. American soldiers that are dealing with uh, traumatic brain injuries uh, from some of these attacks. And Joe Biden and the White House are oblivious as to where the Secretary of Defense is? Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre was also asked about this. How did he go five, how did the president go five days without knowing uh, what his defense secretary was doing or what was happening to him? I should say, cut five, Phil, go. How did the president not know until this morning that it was cancer? How did five days go without knowing the death? That is something that we're trying to find. No, I, I hear you, but that is something that we are going to get a sense of this process. Right? They're going to get a sense. That's why they're going to do a review. Yeah. That's why the Pentagon's going to do a review. A review That's why the chief of staff put out a memo to cabinet, uh, cabinet uh, to the cabinets on protocols here to get a sense of what, uh, how they've been moving with this process and how we're going to continue to move forward. We do not want this to happen again, obviously. Uh, but, you know, we're going to wow. get a better sense once the Pentagon does the 30-day a review. Sense. Uh, President takes this seriously. Obviously, so this bad. is not something we want to see. Yeah, obviously. Could you imagine if Donald Rumsfeld didn't tell George Bush that he was having a, a liver procedure done or <laughs> a heart surgery? But this is a, a lot. Well, first first and foremost, to me, this confirms that John Kirby is the real White House press secretary. And no, she, no she's doubt. in the, yeah, number one. <laughs> number two, number two, thank God prostate cancer is has a high cure rate, 95% in the first year and something like 80% overall. And so thank God it's a, 
it's very curable, so he's going to be okay. But the cancer is not the issue. Prostate cancer is not the issue. The truth is that they sent a freaking email. Yeah. They sent an email, according to, by all reports, they send an, so they find his wife calls whoever and says, oh my gosh, I just rushed into the ICU. He's in intensive care. So boom, they call, notify, and he's at Walter Reed, by the way. Right. And so they call, they make the calls, then an email is sent to the number two. She's on vacation, as we've said. Yeah, she's in Puerto Rico. And so, by the way, uh, you don't text, you don't make a phone call. They email her, and apparently she never says, why, what's going on? Is mm-hmm. Lloyd okay? Right. Like, nobody asks the normal human questions, mm-hmm. and then nobody... Nobody is communicating. I mean, this is that old movie clip. What we have here is a failure mm, to communicate. Yes, indeed. This is not on Lloyd. No. This is not his fault. This is on 100% an administration that is an a absolute failure. That's what's going on here. And they're trying to make it, oh, it's about the prostate cancer. It's about Lloyd. Shame on him. So-and-so didn't communicate. No, no, no. This is on the commander-in-chief. This is your administration, and your administration is a hot mess. It's, That's what that is. It's, I mean, and let's face it. There's a protocol in every line of work with a chain of command. You know, if Greg's out, Anthony runs the board. If Anthony's unavailable for some reason and Greg's unavailable, I would assume Phil's the next man up. For the Seoli show, if uh, if Matt De, if Matt, the, Matt DeSantis is out, then Henry would be. Like, the fact that there could be this level of... Um, it, it seems like there's just a major blockade between the Pentagon and the White House. Like, and oh, by the way, sending an email is one thing, but like, you, it's not really a truly aggressive way of inf- like you go out of your way. Like, hey, if I'm going to be out, I might send an email, a text, or how about doing what we used to do back in the day and pick up the stinking phone. Because I think, and 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 also, it's a military chain of command, and this is the commander in chief. But to me, this just shows us, it reveals to us that they don't view him as the commander in chief. They view him at, because they're running things without him or running around him. The whole administration is ran without him. And so ultimately, it's run without him and they think, don't wake up grandpa. Yeah. Uh, Doctor, one more uh, on this. Doctor Mark Siegel was on Fox News yesterday, uh, saying that the Biden administration, to Don's point, is being dishonest, and that Austin surgery was major and not and non-elective, uh, because that was that was the debate back and forth too. Uh, this is cut twelve. Guys, go. Yes, and Martha, good to be with you. And I have to tell you, I think there's more obfuscation going on here. Even now, I'll explain. First of all. Secretary Austin should have come forward because 2.5 times more black men get prostate cancer than white men and 2.5 times die more. And we're trying forever in the doctor's office to increase our screening so he could have been and still can be a spokesperson for that fact. Secondly, they call this an elective procedure, but this is major surgery from the way I'm reading it. Minimally invasive, to me, that implies they use the robot, the Da Vinci robot, which is a huge huge step forward so it's it can be done through two very small incisions if i'm right that they use the da vinci and you don't lose a lot of blood and it's a major major step forward and he's probably cured we we pray to god that he's cured but that is not what i would call an elective procedure even if technically it is because you don't have to have it emergently i people think of nose jobs as elective procedures or something cosmetic 
This is elective technically, but I think it's the wrong term to use. And minimally evasive implies it's minor when it actually it shows biotechnological advances that we can now do that. Then to your question, he develops an infection which can happen after any surgery. And then, you know, they thought it was urinary at first. Then they found fluid in the abdomen, and it was pushing on the bowel, and they had to decompress the bowel while they treated the infection. Again, modern medicine came to the rescue, and thank God he seems to be okay. This can happen after major surgery like this. But I would argue what cannot continue to happen is to have these PR nightmares for this Biden administration. I have never. They're terrible at public speaking. They're terrible at transparency. They are very aloof. They reject notions. And they just flat out from a spin standpoint, they just they, they take an issue or a mistake and they compound it. 10 times over and the people they send up to the podium to speak like i've said john kirby's a good speaker he's good at saying a whole bunch of nothing kareen john pierre is a bad speaker and bad at saying nothing i gotta tell you guys that you know even in my job for as you know uh, as 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 stupid as what we do is <laughs> and i say that tongue-in-cheek uh n- not important i mean if i were to not tell the corporate bosses here that Nick Kale or Don Stensland or Riccioli or Dom Giordano was having major surgery and they were going to be out for whatever, I failed to tell them that. Yeah. There would be hell to pay. I would think prostate cancer rises to the level of where you inform. Now, I mean, did Lloyd Austin not tell whoever that email was sent to that it was prostate cancer? Because then I wonder, is it like a HIPAA thing where you have the right to not to say what the procedure is to your, quote, employer or boss? I guess that would be a valid question to ask. I don't know the context of the email. We, we're not privy to what was actually said in that email, but that, that I would want to know. So, all right. That'll do it for round number one of the cut sheet. But I'm telling you, Greg, if I ever do have prostate cancer, God forbid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will let you know that I do and you I appreciate the proper it. chain of command. I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right. Get your uh, regular checkups. One in seven men. Yeah, when do you start that? At 40 or 50 is what they say. Usually before 40, especially if there's any family history. Okay. But isn't isn't prostate cancer where you cough? That's where they is stick the, the thing? thing up your keister, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where you cough. But so wait, they start that at 40? No, I think that started earlier than 40. No, I, I thought that I was 50. Think so. I think, I actually is think it's it? later. Yeah, I think is it's it? 50. Because if it's 40, I'm due, and I don't know that I really want to have something rammed up my... Well, but it depends. A lot of that depends on family history. Right. Because it's highly, you know, it's genetic. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for the cut sheet part one, part two, coming up one hour from now. We'll come back, get Don Sensel's big three at eight. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.